week's podcast where Nick Bracci and I, Stan Derive, uh, have the breakdown for the next UFC fight night, Lewis versus Dos Santos. Uh, Nick, I'm kind of excited uh, that this is a pretty good ESPN Plus card. Um, we're also going to break down the previous card, UFC 135, in which John Jones and Kamaru Usman came out uh, pretty clearly victorious. Uh, what are your thoughts, Nick, about that event? Well, I, I got to mention that for the first time in the history of my fandom, I went 8-0. and <laughs> I, I, I correctly predicted the first eight fights on the card. Oh, it, that's a, okay. I, oh, nice. <laughs> And, I mean, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, except that I am in that. <laughs> it's, you should be. That's impressive. I, I got a little bit lucky, but um, three underdogs, uh, Hannah Siffers, Diego Sanchez, and Pedro Munoz, all, uh, it's like, man, oh, okay, I, sure. I had done a parlay or something. Um, but then the, and well, then I, 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 the go ahead, what? I was just going to say, the, the Cyphers fight, um, I thought could have gone either way, and, and it was and Cyphers, very close. Yeah, uh, I did see a picture of the two ladies at the hospital after, and it, it was one of those BJ Penn things where you know his claim against George St. Pierre after the first bout was that George St. Pierre's face looked messed up, even though George St. Pierre won the two rounds. Uh, I thought that Cyphers looked really beat up, and Viana looked as pretty as ever. I think that Cyphers just had. I think she just gets. Uh, I think she just swells up. Um, I also think yeah, she, she probably broke, doesn't. She broke her arm well. in that fight, but she also went. I mean, right. I just thought she landed harder shots. Um, I agree. She's got. I, but I mean, you look at her, and she's an Adam White man. <laughs> There's You're right. She, like, You're right. but she's got. But she, you know, and I'll, I always go for the the, the undersized fighter. Um, so I'm a I'm a fan of hers, but uh, you know, there were a couple of fights I didn't get. The, the Torres one where I didn't do the the right enough research on Wei Li Zhang and uh, who was very strong. Man, those two women there, the quads and the thighs were just so much power in that fight. Oh, I, agree. Way. I was just like, they are both just powerhouses. Um, yeah, they're, they're actually fairly similar fighters, except that uh, Zhang is a little bit is a little bit bigger and, yep. uh, and, and Torres is probably a little bit quicker, but decent competitive fight. Um, Obviously, Jones dominated Anthony Smith. Um, I, I think we expected him to finish. I think we expected that he would do. He, he would just overwhelmingly dominate the guy if he didn't finish. And it, I, I don't know that it turned out that way. It, it didn't seem like. It almost seems like he kind of fights down to his competition a little bit, where he can finish Daniel Cormier and Alexander Gustafson in this day and age. But he has trouble with a uh, Anthony Smith or. Uh, what is that gentleman's name who he fought in his comeback before? Oh, oh Ben St. Oh, Peru. Peru. I, yeah, I don't think that's... Decision wins. I don't think that's exactly it. What I think is I thought about this a bit over the last week. And I think it comes down to Greg Jackson and the fact that Greg Jackson, I believe, is a, is a military strategist. And I think that that Jones, is, he's, he's very thoughtful. He's kind of like a fight computer. And... I think that their their game plan was to take away all of his tools all of the time. And I think it's even harder than getting, you know, and a little bit more uh, humiliating is the wrong word, but a, a little more, uh, you know, a little more frustrating um, than getting knocked out 
is I almost pictured like if Anthony Smith was an insect, Jones just picked his legs off and his wings like one by one. Just a dismantling, just a absolute dismantling. And he's done this with other fighters too. And sometimes the the finish emerges um, during the dismantling. And other times he just like he just took off his legs and wings. And he, there were times in the fourth and fifth round where like Jones wasn't even really just like moving. He was just kind of crouched and didn't know what to do because everything he had tried had been negated, and he was made and he was and he was hurt. Um, with every, every, however, Johns wanted to hurt him, he did. And I just, I think that's, uh, I think that's, I don't think that Jones fights down to his competition. I I used to think that. I think that he, um, was more satisfying for him as ex, is expertly administering a game plan to the point where he renders the opponents, uh, completely futile. And I think that's what he did to Anthony Smith. I, I guess uh, maybe Jones needs an <laughs> opponent like, to like I'm not buying yeah, that. Nick. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Anthony Smith was finished was finished uh, almost within the calendar year, and in, in February of last year, he was finished by Thiago Santos, who we all know is dangerous. We all know can can he's finish. Uh, you're, you're you're right, but he's been finished a lot throughout his career, like a lot, and and I know that some of that was years ago, but. Anthony Smith is not a John Jones level fighter. He has no business fighting John Jones if John Jones hadn't cleaned out the division. Same thing with Tiago Santos, quite honestly. Like, he has no business being one punch away from the light heavyweight title, except that the division is kind of mediocre and he came in and got a couple of quick knockouts. Um, yeah, although, although, although his last one was impressive. Who else did Greg Jackson used to strategize for? George St. Pierre. Very. Very similar. Yes. Yeah. I, I actually think this is more an influence of uh, Mike Winklejohn in this case yeah. because it was predominantly a stand-up fight and partly because Smith's takedown defense was better, I think, than Jones expected. Um, it, it seems to me like it's Winklejohn's kind of – the way that he teaches his fighters is they tend to be one-shot-at-a-time kind, of, uh, kind of fighters. You don't tend to see a whole lot of combinations – from Mike Winklejohn trained fighters. And it's kind of the same with Jones. He's got an insane variety where he, he can hit you with probably 25 different strikes somehow, even though he has only eight limbs. But they're usually one at a time. They're not really putting on the sort of pressure that can finish a guy who, if you give him good reason to give you the fight, he will. Smith is finishable. Jones is arguably the best fighter on the planet, especially with some level of picograms being allowed in the system at all times. Um, so, yeah, I, I just feel like jo- we should we could have expected more from Jones here. Uh, I thought Smith he was, was mentally gonna... defeated. And, yeah. and one more thing I will say quickly is uh, you mentioned how Jones kind of picked off his his limbs because he, he insinuating that he crushed him like a bug. He didn't smash him first. He didn't step on him first. He kind of just picked his limbs off at, at a distance over time. I, I guess we're yeah. using that analogy. Um, I thought Jones should have performed better against this level of opponent. I think again, considering the kind of opponents that he finishes, um, he should be able to, he should be able to finish an Anthony Smith is my opinion. I mean, but, I, uh, I agree. I would also say that GSP should have been able to finish Dan Hardy. Um, yes, think- but GSP wasn't finishing almost, he, he was finishing almost no one. Whereas right. Jones is finishing the best of the best. 
Right. But it's gone to a decision with these. It could just, I mean, I, I have a feeling it's just risk aversion, risk management against why give, why, why give a guy who's got a puncher's chance a puncher's chance? I mean, Johnson landed, no, I mean, I'm sorry, Smith landed nothing. I can't remember one significant of strike yeah. that he landed in the entire fight. Uh, yeah, and, and, and I feel like it was a watch, except for you yeah. know John, John Jones' artistry, um, particularly with his kicks. Oh yeah, he, John Jones is obviously brilliant. He's obviously very, very good at this thing, uh, at this MMA thing, and and um, it showed in in him desert earning every round, except for that uh, eight eight round. I think the fourth round where he landed uh, what seemed like a pretty clearly illegal knee. I mean, J- John Jones is not known for kneeing down opponents, but he is known for fouling opponents. Uh, whatever it takes, it seems like, honestly, like he is. No- I-, I know, I-, I know I can be on a negative tinge about Jones because of, you know, some of the steroid, uh, uh, some of the steroid popping and all that. But, you know, I, I expect a little bit more of Jones. Um, Did however, chest? I can't remember. He, he did, I believe, against the cage. That's, that sounds fairly yeah. familiar. Uh, it was to his chest, not to his head. Right, but it, but it doesn't take much for that to... <laughs> yeah, uh, true. For, for that to turn into... Uh, but in this position, I don't think there was very much of a chance that that could have been a, a body yeah. strike. It, it was clearly meant for the head. I think Jones maybe thought that the one hand down... Yeah, it was a bad, bad strike. Yes, uh, yeah, I, I hear you there. Um, and, and you know what, Smith, uh, to his credit, he could have actually taken a disqualification win or no contest... And made another maybe million dollars uh, in a rematch. Instead, he he was you know true to himself and and, and to the organization and the fans, and went back out there and lost the decision. So elsewhere on the card, I mean, we could talk about this pretty briefly. Kamaru Usman completely proved me wrong against Tyler uh, Woodley, and just. Comp- just overwhelmed every aspect of of the fight. Um, it didn't seem like he hurt he hurt Tyron. He just completely negated him and controlled him and beat him up for twenty five minutes. Agreed. Uh, we've seen Usman do this to just about every one of his UFC opponents. Yeah, uh, it, it was harder to imagine him doing it to Tyron Woodley. But um, the one big concern, the one reason that I picked Usman uh, or that I picked Woodley uh, at least initially was that Usman tends to pressure forward and leaves his head in the way for a right-hand counter. He clearly did his homework. Clearly, Henry Huft uh, was prepared, uh, prepared him for this. And every time that he would lead in, he would never throw a right hand. That wasn't his intention. It was really to, to throw his jab. Uh, he would go left-handed heavy, which would keep his head, uh, Usman's head, on Usman's right side toward Woodley's left side, which takes away that right-hand opportunity. He essentially kept his head from being in that center line where Woodley needs for the, uh, where Woodley needs it to be. He just walked right into that clinch leaning to his left. And that's really all it took for Woodley to, to, to actually Woodley did not find any different than he has for many years. Now he always waits for the one opportunity to either make a huge impression for, uh, on the round or finish the fight. He made big impressions with the knockdowns over Steven Thompson and he won over guys like uh, Darren Till because Till walked right into his right hand. If you walk into his right hand, he can get you. Usman did exactly what he needed to do to avoid doing that. He was super impressive. And I have a hard time seeing who has a legitimate chance at beating Kamaru Usman in the UFC. 
I have. Uh, I agree. I don't know. Uh, I'm curious. You know, I'm curious at a, a, a battle of the wrestlers how uh, how Askren would uh, would look. I think. Uh, I think Askren would be. I mean, I, I would say he'd be lucky to escape with his life, but he, you know, I, I can see how that could be a somewhat competitive fight. I just see Usman being, I mean, he's more athletic, he's bigger, he's stronger, he's more explosive. Uh, I know some of that entails in the athleticism, but he's got at least as good a wrestling, presumably, and he hits way harder. I mean, on paper, mm-hmm. I think he has every opportunity. Ben Askren needs some blowout performances. Uh, and not performances in which he almost dies, and then and then you know <laughs> g- gets gets very fortunate with a with an unfortunately bad stoppage, hard to avoid bad stoppage uh, that he got over Robbie Lawler. I think Ben Askren has a lot to prove. He's great on the mic, and he did everything he did everything exactly right for afterward in order to avoid having to rematch with Lawler and and to uh, stir up more heat between him and Dana White. Uh, and Robbie Lawler, in my opinion, seemed like such a good guy for not making a big deal of it. But that is exactly the reason why he probably won't get this rematch and probably will not get to right this wrong or at least get the opportunity to right this wrong. What do you think, man? Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, Lawler looked fantastic. He, and then he dropped Askren right on his head. And he was all over him with these, th- those, uh, that Dan Henderson style. Uh, you know, punches from uh, punches from underneath, and I thought I thought Askren was uh, uh, going to go out, and he just didn't. Um, but he ate some gigantic shots after he got dropped on his head. He really did. Uh, he he really. I mean, the, the slam itself and those follow up shots. Like like, there's a good chance that Askren went out and woke up. But he is a tough guy, anyway. You put it. Um, you got to give him credit for that. He was pressing him up against the fence within, I think, 30 or 45 seconds of basically being on the brink of death. You got to give Askren credit for that. Uh, and, and I'm sure he's got a decent grip, but it didn't look like it was uh, blocking uh, the left side of Robbie Lawler's carotid artery, the, the left side of his neck, uh, which you kind of need the blood to stop for both sides of the neck. Uh, you need to stop that blood flow in order to get a choke out. Uh, mm-hmm. It didn't look like an air choke either. So, Again, I don't blame Herb Dean because it did like the did look uh, like Lola was out, given Robbie the way could, his arm kind of dropped. Yeah, and Robbie couldn't hear him. I mean, right, it, it's right. a headlock. Understandable. Yep, absolutely. And, and you know what? On the replay, Robbie kind of pulled his hand away from uh, Dean in order to in order to show him that like I'm fine, but also to give him the thumbs up. But he, because he pulled his hand away, uh, he, Herb didn't see the thumbs up, which led him to stop the fight. It, it's a weird thing. You you would hope that a fight like that gets restarted if it's kind of a blatant mistake like this um but unfortunately Lawler being the nice guy will probably not get this rematch unless Dana which we all believe Dana does not like Askren Dana might just think like let me get Askren to to get almost murdered again and and let me make this rematch and make it right if only because he doesn't like Askren but Askren is doing everything right in order to not have to fight Lawler again and walk away with a, a very controversial win and Lawler's doing everything wrong to get the rematch. I think, even I though think, he's a really yeah. nice guy. No, I agree. I think I think the winner. I think Askren will get the winner of Till Masvidal, and Lawler will get the loser. Um, and I, I think I think Askren I, beats I, both I, of those guys. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. If he gets to fight those guys, uh, he 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 would beat them. But I tend to think that the UFC is going to match him up like as as difficultly as possible. I think they're going to give him. 
matchups that, that are going to be tough for him to overcome. I think that was part of the thinking with Lawler, although, you know, it depends on what Lawler shows up, of course. I don't know that they're going to give him a till who, you know, is a probably a high likelihood win for him. We'll see. We'll see how he performs. Um, Outside of that, we've got the we've got the Pedro Munoz versus Cody Garbrandt fight. Nick, give we me both picked that one. We, we both, did. We, yeah, we both picked Pedro Munoz. Um, I read an interesting article today. Justin Buckholtz, former head coach of Team Alpha Male, really came down hard on Faber, saying that essentially that Faber's ego gets in the way of guys having good training. And that the camp's gone way, way downhill, um, which is a bummer because that's two, you know, head coaches that had a, a degree of a fair degree of success over at Team Alpha Male, um, you know, who don't have the nicest things to say about Faber. For Garbrandt, he there was a headbutt, but he just he got hurt, and then he, he lost his he lost his cool, and that's. You know, that's kind of a, a that's you know, you do do that to get noticed when you're in the prelims, when you're in the when you're in the early prelims and you're shooting for a, a fight of the night because you don't know where your next meal's coming from. You don't yeah. do that you know you don't do that if you're um want to get back in the title picture and you've got you're very, very fast with great technical striking. I've always thought he needed to work his kicks uh, into his game way more, but he's got really fast hands. And who's to say he might not have gotten clips, but he was doing, you know, he was looking pretty good um, before that headbutt. And then he just, you know, they kind of was like, meet me in the middle and let's throw down. And after getting knocked out twice and, you know, pretty badly by Dillashaw, that was the wrong move. Uh, Munoz, Munoz's chin just held up uh, a little bit better. Just a a dumb move, and now now he's twenty seven years old with with three KOs, I mean two in the first round and one very early in the second. Um, so I don't know. I think he needs. I think uh, you're doing matchmaking um, for Cody Garbrand. I think you want to go to some someone who's maybe you know the top twelve to fifteen. Um, and give give him the closest thing you can to a get right fight. Yeah, I think maybe it's it might be time for Garbrandt to move on from Team Alpha Male. I don't know that they, I don't know that they can. It, it was kind of similar with Danny Castillo, where once his chin went, it didn't seem like Team Alpha Male was able to give him the right tools, and, and that's whether Bang Ludwig was there at the time or Justin Buckholz or not. Didn't seem like they had what it took to give them the right tools to avoid those big shots, to avoid getting knocked out, you know, a few times leading up to his retirement. And Cody Garbrandt, you're right, he's 27 years old, just kind of stepped into his prime, had the performance of his entire career against Dominic Cruz after his, you know, knockout over Almeida, and then everything goes downhill for the guy. I think a fresh start would be great for him. It would be great if he considered maybe a new team, one that's more structured. Uh, I think you and I have spoken about Team Alpha Male before, and, and I voiced my concerns about how there's no real long-term structure. They don't have any consistency. Um, they don't really have a great head coach, and they haven't – I don't know that Ludwig was a great head coach because there was a lot of tension. There were a lot of issues. And I know that maybe it's because mostly of his relationship with Faber, who it's sounding more and more like he's a very difficult guy, a great businessman, 
great self-promoter, solid, solid fighter. Uh, but he sounds like he's a difficult guy to deal with. Um, I just think he's better at PR, and that's probably why he ended up looking better than Ludwig uh, when they went back and forth back in the day. Um, you know, Cody Garbrandt, Cody Garbrandt needs a quality head coach. He needs to take a year off and give his brain some time to rest and uh, watch his kid grow up and and come back and and fight. You're right, like a like a top twelve, top fifteen type of opponent who is mainly a grappler. He needs a couple of grapplers if, if the UFC still wants to promote the guy. If they, if they still want to push him and give him a shot, um, he can't be fighting these these hard hitters for a little while for the sake of he's he's 27 years old, Nick. Um, it's unfortunate. The, honestly, up, it would be a good camp sorry. for him is the uh, the Mark Henry Ricardo Almeida team. Yeah, that that can't work well for him. Those uh, those guys do well. Uh, in instilling the right footwork and the right angles for fighters to avoid big shots if they don't necessarily have the most durable chin. You're right. That's a great recommendation. And I think it's not that far from where uh, – it's a little bit closer to where Stevens grew up, uh, where – excuse me, where uh, Garbrandt grew up, which was in uh, in Ohio. Uh, that would be closer to kind of home and where where his family is and all that. So maybe maybe that could be a great move for him, although it's hard to judge him for not wanting to give up the California weather. Right. The undercard, the prelims uh, were fun. Let's go th- through this really quickly. Um, Zabit looks pretty good, if a little cautious. Jeremy Stevens finally, I was happy he had a good third round because he 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 was winging a lot of shots, but he seemed really frustrated. He talked about how he, he was suicidal after that Aldo loss, and I yeah. felt like Jeremy Stevens needed the third round to prove something to himself. So even though he lost the fight, I feel like he he kind of won the war within himself. Um, because he he definitely, even though I think he knew he didn't get he wasn't going to get the decision. He I, I sense that he felt he had proved something to himself, so I was happy about that. And you know, Zabit looked good. He didn't necessarily look like a world beater, but not, not many people do against Jeremy Stevens. Um, I'd really like to see Zabit fight uh, Brian Ortega. That's the fight I want. I would love to see that fight. Um, yeah, Zabit. Zabit is not the best stand-up fighter. He's got a lot of fan. He does a lot of fancy things standing up that look impressive, but he doesn't have like multiple layers to his game. He can't really sit in the pocket and exchange, especially with a guy like Stevens. And it seems to me like a lot of his explosiveness comes at a cost. He, he's against Bochniak and against Stevens. He lost those third rounds, and it makes me wonder how he's going to do in a main event scenario against a guy that has the conditioning to keep pushing past that second round. Um, I, and I would get three more rounds after that. I would pick Frankie Edgar to beat to beat Zabit. Um, uh, I uh, I would too, but they couldn't fight because they are teammates. I'm sure this fight happens like all the time in the gym, though. I would love to see oh, that. Yeah. Good good point. I forgot that. Uh, they were- although although I I will say I don't think I would pick Frankie Edgar to beat Zabit because of the way that Mark Henry and and the guys in that camp, including Frankie Edgar, talk about Zabit. They talk about him like he is mm-hmm. head and he, uh, head and shoulders above everyone else there. Uh, Mark Henry apparently was contemplating retirement soon and because of Zabit will not be retiring anytime soon. Like he's to them, he's that kind of special athlete, but I do think, um, there needs to be, uh, more added layers to his standup game. He needs to be able to handle those pressure standup, uh, those pressure fighters better. Um, and we already know his ground game is phenomenal. His wrestling is solid. He just needs to, you know, just button up a, a couple of small inefficiencies and and he's in a good place his yeah, defense his, striking overall is not great either his, his chin gets is a little his chin gets a little high 
It does. It does. And I think he relies on his footwork, uh, which is actually subtly really effective. Uh, and, and his reflexes to, uh, to keep from really taking a big wallop. Also a good chin goes a long way. Uh, Zabit still a, an excellent prospect. Obviously he didn't Jose Aldo, Jeremy Stevens, but, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take a decision one over him and look forward to him getting tested against a guy like Brian Ortega. I think that would be a great fight. I think and actually uh, I would favor Zabit over Ortega. Uh, me too. Because of the style matchup, if nothing else. Yeah, I agree. Um, also, Last Zabit's fight height. to discuss from this card. Uh huh. Sorry. Yeah, Zabit's height. I feel like he's le- He's. I feel like he's less likely to get caught in a choke on the cage, um, up against the cage. Unless I just don't see. I. I think he's a much tougher uh, guillotine to catch for Ortega. I actually think his long neck might lend him to getting uh, uh, to, to being susceptible to a guillotine, but I also think his ground game is actually his best asset. Um, and I on think the, it's on the ground, I think to survive. So. I just think I could see. Orte- I think Ortega likes to jump up for it, um, yeah. or or get or get you know get guy kind of work it out of uh, the clinch, and I don't see that happening with with Zabit. Um, so, okay, briefly, Johnny Walker, man. Round bout, I would probably favor uh, Ortega. In the three-round bout, more's a beat. Uh, mm-hmm. Next up, we've got Walker and Sirkinov. Uh What were your thoughts, Nick? Walker does his thing once I mean, again. Got, this guy is just a weirdo. Like, I, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm still not convinced. You know, Joe Rogan does his, does his Johnny Walker is for real. And just like I said last week, we heard Houston Alexander is for real. Like yeah. after after he floored uh, who were out he, he after he floored Keith Jardine and um, Alessio Sakara, so you know honestly Walker's two scalps that or his two most recent scalps are not as good as Alessio Sakara and Keith Jardine in my estimation. Um, maybe I, maybe I would actually I, I would agree with uh, I would disagree with the Sakara part. Uh, Keith Jardine yeah. might be arguable depending on where he was in his career at the time. At the at the time, um, I mean, he wasn't that far from from beating Liddell. Uh, yeah, that that was that was definitely a high point for him. Is is his best point in his career? So that is significant. So, um, I, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is, I still need to let's. It's tough because light heavyweight sucks. But I agree. You know, let's see him. Let's see him against Gustafsson. Let's see him against Rumble if Rumble comes back. Let's see him against. Uh, let's see him against Elur Latifi. Like I don't. I just. It's and um or Do, you know Dominic Reyes like let's it's just, it's too early he's certainly wildly entertaining um he seems like a moron since he dislocated his shoulder doing the worm um but uh I, I don't think he actually by the way I'm not sure but I, I I saw somebody I saw saw a headline say that his shoulder is actually fine after all he, he probably just gave himself like a Charlie horse equivalent of the thirty uh, was he had to take four weeks off. <laughs> Thing, but oh really maybe you are right um from, from what i understand it was it was uh, the days after where he was like oh i'm fine it's not a big deal okay. uh, not necessarily that night that night he may have complained to the doctors to, at the hospital hey, listen we need they need a you know there's a lot of the the former brazilian stars are, are getting old and there's uh not a ton of brazilian champs right now right you've got uh amanda nunes who what are their what are their uh, brazilian champs do we have Besides Nunes, um, any? I think we're. I think I think we're pretty devoid of Brazilian champs right now. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't always like that. I mean, 
No, so, certainly not. There was a point where Brazilians, I think, uh, owned the majority of the championships in the UFC. And um, you know, Walker, you know, Walker is. He's and by the way, Amanda Nunes did just beat. Uh, she does hold two titles, to be fair. Uh, yeah, and she did right. just beat yeah, a Brazilian to, to, beat to, to, beat to win the other one. Right. Right. Um, uh, so 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 yeah, Walker is uh, obviously super talented. The fact that he can just one touch people and make them drop is huge. We saw yeah. that with Francis Ngannou. How valuable that alone almost almost can be when you're fighting in a division like heavyweight or light heavyweight. Um, and obviously do it with that, with the different extremities, whereas Ngannou is going just yeah. to punch you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Walker, the, like there's a clip of him doing a flying knee onto a, onto a training partner with another training partner on his shoulders, holding pad, uh, holding a pad for what looked like a seven foot two person. Johnny Walker came up for a flying knee at that height. So imagine how much further his knee was going to go had Serkinov's head not been there. Like that was a powerful, powerful shot. Um, he's super talented. He's not really been tested. Um, I think that it, I would love it if he just kept beating people up for the next year and a half, two years before he ever faces Jones. I would love that. But I think if Jones is smart enough, he's going to want to fight him sooner than later. Um, although I'm sure Jones is going to wait until he – gets into a bit of a gets into a bit of a difficult matchup so that he can see some holes. Um there is older footage of him getting taken down. He can be taken down, he can be controlled. Uh he's still dangerous later, but yeah, sky's the limit. I'm I'm excited about his level of athleticism, about his finishing ability. And uh he hasn't been tested yet in the UFC, so we'll see. Seventeen and three record though is nothing to sneeze at, even at light heavyweight. Well, he's, he's he's greatly entertaining. I will I will certainly tune in to watch Johnny Walker uh do anything. So let's we got this other card coming up um, on Saturday. UFC Fight Night: Lewis versus Dos Santos. I believe it's on ESPN Plus. I believe the entire event, so we can expect some like high pacing. Nick, we're not going to waste you know thirty three minutes in between fights here, uh, which I love. Yeah, let's let's run through the card real quick. Uh, Derek Lewis Jr. Dos Santos. Who do you have? I'm giving the edge to Dos Santos. I think. Stylistically, this actually favors him in a big way. He's a great jabber. Um, he's going to put a certain level of pressure on Derek Lewis. My only concern is that he's going to give Derek Lewis something to counter, which is where Derek Lewis tends to do well. Uh, Dos Santos not only jabs well, though, he also goes to the body a lot, which is Derek Lewis's famed kind of weakness. Um, he's been hurt a lot to the body and then ended up getting knockouts over low, low, lower levels of competition. I think this is similar to the matchup that. Ben Rothwell gave to Dos Santos a couple of years back. Uh, I know Ben Rothwell we're going to speak about later today. Um, and I, I give the, the edge to Dos Santos unless he gets hit with just a big shot out of nowhere. I think his damage that he's going to be able to do is going to wear down on Lewis. And he should be able to finish uh, in the fourth or so round. If you could finish Mark Hunt, and Mark Hunt could completely outstrike Derek Lewis, I expect Junior Dos Santos to, uh, to make the MMA math work here. I'm going to pick against you. Great. I uh, I want Junior Dos Santos to win as much as I enjoy and find the Black Beast entertaining. I've just seen his chin get touched too many times. And Derek Lewis, calling me intangibles, whatever, he finds a way to find the chin, even if he's been losing 95% of the fight. So I, does Ben Rothwell and so does Tai Tuvasa. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's true. I think. I just. I just have a feeling. 
that uh, I don't blame you, by the way. Given Lewis's power and uh, Dos Santos's having been knocked out. Yeah, I just think I think Lewis I think Lewis will find the shot. Um, I, and, uh, and he's only I look forward to this one playing points. out. What's that? Uh, I was just saying I look forward to this one playing out. Uh, what were you yeah. saying a moment ago? Sorry. I just feel like Lewis has gotten more durable over the course of his UFC career instead of less. I can see where you're coming from there. He he hasn't been uh, hurt early as often lately. Uh, maybe a part of it is his back issues, but uh, I think it's a sensitivity to the body. It's like I don't I don't know if that's something that goes away. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like guys that get hurt to the body that that stays with them. And and if their opponent's smart enough to go after it against a guy like Cerrone, Lewis, Matt Brown, these guys get tagged to the body and they just cannot take it. Um, Lewis has survived several times, partially because he's fighting you know, other heavyweights. But I expect Dos Santos to be able to take advantage of that here. And, and I don't blame you for your pick, given Dos Santos is uh, having been knocked out a few times and Lewis's serious power. Yeah, I'm already kind of regretting this pick, but I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with Derek, the underdog, Darius Lewis, Derek Lewis at plus 170. Um, the I next made a oh, I didn't realize he was an underdog. Go on. Yeah, Lewis is plus 170 minus 200. Um, we've got another Dos, San, Dos, San, uh, Dos Santos, uh, Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos against Curtis Melender. Um, close fight. They've got it minus 120. Uh, Melender plus 100. Dos Santos. I'm a big believer in Curtis Melender. I've really enjoyed watching him fight. Um, so he's going to be my pick here. He's my pick as well, although I do consider this a very competitive bout. I think Elizio, uh, Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos has a lot of upside. Uh, he's kind of this funky, um, constant movement kind of pressure fighter. Um, he he's defensively pretty decent because of how much he moves. Melander uh, just seems to me like he should be able to march Dos Santos down a bit here. And um, given that Dos Santos kind of started uh, started his last bout by arguably losing the first round to uh, Luigi Vendramani, who I don't think is a very high level fighter making his UFC debut. I'm going to give the edge to Millinder uh, to be able to land a big shot at some point, although his inactivity concerns me a bit. Um, Next up, we've got Nico Price versus Tim Means. Uh, Nico Price, who's actually 12-2, and two, surprisingly only two losses. Uh, pretty overall impressive guy. Never really goes to the decision fighting Tim Means, who has been a little bit touch and go lately. What are your thoughts on this one, Nick? It's... Uh... No, this is a this is a really tough call. Um, I like Nico Price. He got floored his last time out, and like you said, Tim Means has been has been kind of he is up- coming off the loss. You're right, but it's to Abdul Razak Al Hassan, who is, uh, in my opinion, a pretty serious serious hitter. And Means Means has had a tough go of it um, lately. He did beat Ricky Rainey. After losing two split decisions in a row, it's a Bilal. Remember the name, uh, Muhammad. Right. And, uh, and Nick, uh, we remember. God damn it. We remember, Nick. <laughs> and Sergio Moraes. Um, he had those two fights against uh, uh, Cowboy Oliveira. It's, this is a tough one. This is a really tough one to pick. Um, Price is one of those guys who I feel like has a lot of physical gifts. Um, I've just been ex- I've been I've enjoyed watching him fight, but he I think Means is a lot craftier, to be honest. 
Um, the question is, is he crafty enough to avoid getting, getting clocked? Uh, I'm going to go. Oh boy. I'm having a lot of trouble picking this one. <laughs> I'm going to go with, uh, Tim means. Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you, except I'm, I'm a little more confident in means. I do think Nico Price, you're right. He's, he's pretty talented. I, I figure he probably has some pretty heavy hands given how he's able to get a knockout off of his back with hammer fists to Randy Brown. Um, and he's, he's hurt several guys on the feet, including Alan Jaban, Jaban, who I think yes. uh, who I actually like a lot, even though he's not necessarily the most successful UFC fighter. Um, Nico Price is talented, but I think he's got a lot of holes. And I think he's not actually all like technically awesome really anywhere. Um, he's an opportunist and, and he will catch you if you give him the opportunity. I don't expect him means to give him the opportunity. I think means uh, Southpaw left hand is going to be a big factor here. And he's going to be able to tag price up quite a bit there. He did lose a couple of bouts there to Marais and blow Muhammad by split decision, but split decisions to those guys, not the worst thing in the world. I, I, I don't remember de- the details of those fights, but, uh, Losing to those guys by split decision that are I assume could have gone either way doesn't say a whole lot of negative about Tim Means despite the fact that he is only two and three in his last five fights. I'm picking Tim Means here uh, potentially to uh, I'm going to say to finish Nico Price in the second or third round. Man, Means has been around so long and he's not particularly old. He has a loss to Spencer Fisher and a win over Bobby Green. <laughs> so. That's how you know that is that is something else. Huh? Lost to Spencer Fisher was this in the UFC? No. Oh wow! So so okay. I okay. the Eve of Destruction in two thousand and five. Wow, uh, that is that is something else. That, that is really interesting to know. Uh, but yeah, his career apparently has spanned quite a bit of time. Um, Twenty-eight and ten isn't an awesome-looking record versus Nico Price's. I think twelve and two. Um, but I am given, uh, I'm given means the, the edge here, his, his craft and, uh, his speed and power should be able to sting Nico price enough. But again, Nico price always has that opportunity to finish out of nowhere. Um, big Ben Rothwell is back and he's taking on Blagoy Ivanov. Is that how you say that guy's name? Uh, Blagoy Ivanov. Blagoy Ivanov. I have a little bit of expertise as to how to pronounce Russian names, if nothing else, because I, I, you know, I have a Russian heritage and speak the language. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that with authority, Nick. A Blagoy Ivanov. And you're, you and you say your last name. Let me get this right. Stan Zhiraev, right? That's pretty damn good, Nick. Just like a slight more D sound at the beginning of that. It's I like a, a it's like J. a D going. Yeah, a little J heavy, but the J is still there. Just following me. So it's Jurayev. Jurayev. Um, okay. Got it. Yeah, that's it. That's perfect. Um, it pretty impressive, by the way. Shows or whatever. Get it. Get it right. 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 True. Um, <laughs> um, so Blagoy so, uh, not great against Junior Dos Santos uh, last year. Which isn't the worst thing for a UFC debut, if you ask me. Yeah. It's not the worst thing. It's just, uh, yeah, I remember just being like really bored out of my mind <laughs> that, that fight same here same but uh I'm, you know well who do you tell me what do you who do you got um for the second fight in a row we've got we've got a, a guy with 10 losses against the guy with only two losses and for the second fight in a row i'm going to pick the guy with 10 losses to beat the guy with only two losses 
Um, ben Rothwell is 36 and 10. Um, but the majority of those 10 losses were much earlier in his career. He has looked pretty darn good over the last several years, although he hasn't been competing since 2016. Quite a bit of a layoff. I'm going to assume that Ben Rothwell, who owns a gym, who you know kind of breathes MMA and lives MMA, is going to show up looking about the same uh, as he did before that Junior Del Santos bout. Um, I'm not sure if there was if there's a great reason for his long layoff. He did get beat up by Junior Del Santos uh, in April of 2016. I'm giving him the edge because he's he the much bigger again, man. Didn't he? Say that again. Sorry. I thought he got suspended. I thought he popped. You might, you might actually be right. I, I wouldn't be terribly. I wouldn't be terribly shocked. It, it sounded familiar, but I don't know if that's the first or second time. I know that he did it. Yeah, I know. He, got, he he got a two year suspension after uh, he was supposed to fight Verdum. I see. I, he, I wonder if popped, Usada still tested. He popped after the JDS fight. He popped. He popped Usada. It's a good thing he lost in that case, I guess. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm I'm giving him the edge. I'm not sure what his testosterone level will be walking into this, but I'm not sure that it really matters. Um, he can get countered with a big shot against the much more technical striker, especially if the striker is bigger, taller than him. But that's not Blagojevanov. He kind of throws one shot at a time. He has some power in that overhand right, but. Uh, that's a lot to rely on against a much bigger, uh, more ex- UFC experienced opponent. Despite his two-year layoff, I'm picking Ben Rothwell to, I'm going to say finish Blagoy Ivanov late. Uh, it's actually only a three-round bout. So I'm going to I'm gonna say uh, Ben Rothwell by decision, uh, picking the guy with 10 losses to beat the guy with only two. I'm, uh, I'm also going to pick Rothwell. I think he gets it done by choke in the second or third. Oh, you think he'll submit him? You know what? He does have that weird guillotine, that 10-finger guillotine that he has his own name for. You're right. That's actually a very good call. I wouldn't be surprised if Blagoy goes in for a takedown and gets caught with it. Excellent call, Nick. Um, lightweight fight. Benio Darush, who always seems on the cusp of, uh, of breaking through. Great athlete, pretty good striker, terrific wrestler. Um, he's just uh, he's, eating some, he's eating some big inopportune shots. Um, he takes on Drew Dober. And uh, Benil is the uh, pretty solid favorite in the fight. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pick him to uh, continue staging. Uh, I guess what we could call a uh, a comeback. I actually um, didn't really get the chance to watch any footage for most of these fights, and this fight is a little bit of a question mark for me because I remember Drew Dober to be kind of a mediocre wrestle boxer, uh, or maybe sprawling brawler, uh, maybe both. A couple of years ago and lately he's actually been coming on and looking pretty good and uh, adding uh, kind of adding enough technique to generate much more power in his strikes which is kind of a high volume low power striker uh, and it wasn't very effective against guys like Gobin, uh, Mercier and, and Efrain Escadero who we lost to by guillotine a few years ago. He's kind of in his zone and he's in a pretty good place with three wins in a row over Camacho, Berkman and Tuck. But Benil Dariush has a special place in my heart. I just really like the guy. He's like the sweetest, nicest guy. He's very fun to watch. Win or lose, like you are, you know, you, you, there, it's very rare that he has kind of a boring fight. Although I, I feel like there's a chance that Tiago Moses, uh, his last bout may have been on the boring side because he kind of just went for takedowns in road top position. I'm going to give the edge to Benil Dariush, but this is one where I can actually, I may actually change my mind. Um, even though he's like a decent sized favorite, I think his chin. Is very, very, I mean, it's every time he gets hit clean by a decent puncher, by a decent knee, or by a decent kicker, he doesn't take it well. Um, 
I'm going to give Benio use the edge here, but I'm I'm very much teetering, and I don't think the odds are quite accurate here. Next up, we've got Omari Akhmedov versus Tim Boach in in a fight of two stocky fellas who look like they're 58 years old, but uh, Omari I think is somewhere at 32, and Tim Boach is actually in his late 30s. Um, what do you think about this matchup, Nick? I can't believe Tim Boach is still in the UFC. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, good for him. I, I enjoy. I've enjoyed watching him fight for uh, for a very long time. I feel like the first time I saw him was in, was the Matt Hamill fight, which he lost, but he he gave it a real go. Um, I may have seen him in one fight before then. Uh, yeah, I, you know, he, he's been great, but it's it's kind of the law of diminishing returns lately. Um, I'm going to go with Amari Akhmedov um, to win by to win by decision. I think. I'm I'm also picking Ahmedov, but I can I can certainly see Ahmedov just kind of emptying his gas tank and not being able to finish Boach in the first round and then get exhausted like he always does in the second round and on. And Tim Boach just kind of putting some serious pressure on him, making him carry his weight and winning a decision. But I will give Omari the edge here, uh, assuming that Tim Boach is 38 years old is going to look like a 38 year old Tim Boach. Yeah, and uh, you know, Akhmedov has fought at welterweight, whereas Bosch has fought at light heavyweight. Um, so there's going to be some degree of size discrepancy, I would imagine. That's actually a very good point. That's an excellent point. <coughs> Excuse me. But it really, it's just going to come down to what does Bosch have left, and I, I got to believe he's really on the tail end of his career, just based on his age and the damage he's taken. I, I agree. I just feel like this is exactly the kind of matchup that he can win against a younger kind of prospectish uh, guy. Like Omari can get really exhausted by the end of that first round. So it, I could absolutely see Tim Boach kind of taking over uh, in the second or third round and maybe even uh, maybe possibly finishing late. Um, we've got Anthony Rocco Martin versus Sergio Rice and Anthony Martin used to be just known as Tony Martin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, uh, but I guess he like switched decisions and like maybe switched coaching. Cause he certainly looks much, much better now. Um, and he's fighting Sergio Marais, who's been looking really good in the UFC for a long time. And somebody that, you know, his, his only loss in the last something like seven or eight years is Kamara Usman. Um, what are your thoughts on this matchup, Nick? Um, I'm going to go with, with Tony Martin. I don't have a heck of a lot more to say about it. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've got Tony as well because of that laser right hand. Uh, Sergio just kind of swings wild and very wide. Uh, I, think he can, I think he can be susceptible to the same sort of, of right hand that he caught from, uh, from actually one of the only knockout wins of Kumar Usman's career. Um, I think Tony Martin can, can kind of catch him in the third round. We've got Yana Kunitskaya fighting Marion Renault. Uh, Yana Kunitskaya, more of a newcomer who made her view, debut uh, against Cyborg and, you know, looked okay-ish for a couple of seconds as if she might survive a round and then didn't. And, and then went on to actually win her last bout by decision over uh, uh, Lena Landsberg. And she's facing Marion Renault, who, you know, has been in the UFC for a little while now. She's a, a school teacher at the, is kind of her full-time job and she gets to be a badass and compete in the UFC and do fairly well um, at the same time. She lost to Holly Holm 
Ashley Evans Smith and Kat Sangano only in the UFC. She's got one, two, three, um, something like something like seven wins in the UFC. Like she's she, she's got a pretty darn good UFC record. Um, I'm still giving the edge to Kunitskaya because she's the bigger bigger girl who I think should be more athletic. It, it seems like Renault is losing her bouts until she suddenly wins. Uh, it worries me that Renault pulled guard in her fight against Kat Sangano, if I remember correctly, uh, in her last bout. Uh, where she lost the decision. I'm giving the edge to Yana, but I could certainly see Renault catching her uh, with a big punch leading into a submission. See, I'm going to go to MMA decisions right now because I remember thinking that Zingano didn't deserve that, but I could be wrong. Oh, if I remember correctly, Zingano controlled her the majority of the time, but I didn't recently see the fight, so I could be wrong. Nope, every every judge gave it to Zingano 30-20. Yeah. So yeah, Zingano just, I mean, not only did Zingano go for takedowns, but like I said, I'm pretty sure Renault pulled guard at some point yeah. early in that bout. Why would you do that against Zingano? That is right. just so much. I'll take uh, Kunitskaya as well. Um, let's go, uh, let's turbo through the turbo pick. The undercard? The, uh, the undercard here. Um, Grant Dawson, Julian Arosa. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the favorite Grant Dawson. I'm going to go with Dawson as well. I, I think he's a little bit more athletic and should be able to land enough on a Rosa. who's kind of a weird, wanky stand-up fighter, like a Dominic Cruz with no athleticism. I'm going with <laughs> Dawson as well. Um, who do you have, Jeff Hughes or Murray Screen? I'm going with Jeff Hughes. He's got a 10-1 record. Um, I actually think highly of Murray Screen. I think he's a super athletic guy. He's like 6'7 at heavyweight and, and you know doesn't look like out of shape. At the same time, which is fairly, uh, I think, impressive, a testament somewhat to his athleticism at that size. Um, he's fighting Jeff Hughes here, who um, I'm going to pick. I, I think, you know, he's a little bit more experienced, should have the wrestling edge. And I think he's the training partner of um, of uh, Stipe Miocic. Ah. Um, I'm going to go with, with Hughes as well. And I'm going to take, uh, although I've never really been wild about him, I'm going to take Louis Smolka. Overmatch now in the next fight. I'm there with you. Um, I think Matt Schnell's uh, takedown defense sucks, and and he's not all that great anyway. His chin isn't that great. Uh, Smoka can do well against an opponent like this, and I assume Smoka is has is on the right side of his uh, alcoholic issue that that kind of that kind of encompassed the time that he flamed out of the UFC after doing really well. He just flamed out, and apparently he was an alcoholic at the time. I know I'm kind of repeating myself here, but I'm going to assume he's good now, having gotten a few wins in the original scene, and he should be able to beat Matt Snell. And I'm going to pick uh, I'm going to pick Alex uh, Murano over Zach Otto, uh, mostly because I just can't pick a dude that lost to Sage Northcutt. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm making the same pick because Murano's busier, and I don't know that Zach Otto even deserved his win over Dwight Grant, but Zach Otto is continuing his tradition of one win and one loss. Uh, throughout his UFC career. He just got a Dwight Grant win, even though he didn't deserve it, arguably, uh, because that is the only way that apparently his record can go, and he's due for a loss. I expect him to lose here to Alex Morona, who's going to put the pressure on him. Um, Alex White versus Dan Murray. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one, Nick? As I look at their records, I don't think I researched this fight at all. I don't know a lot about Dan Murray, but I, I do know that um, that Alex White is... Two and five in the last five years. Um, 
losses to Lucas Martins, Clay Collard. He did. He won a uh, unanimous decision against Artem Lobo, uh, Lobov. He beat Tony Martin. I know he lost to Tony Martin. He beat Mitch Clark. And then he lost to James Krause and got choked out by Jim Miller. Um, you know, he's the he's the betting favorite, and I don't know a lot about uh, Dan Moret. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with White, despite his uh, recent losing ways. Um, I'm gonna looking at their records. I'm going to go with. I'm gonna go with White. Mm-hmm. Y- you know what? Yeah, I, I guess I'll go with White, but I, I will do a little bit of research on this one and, and maybe change my pick for the sake of disparity. I do think we have some differences in our picks on this one, Nick. Uh, the main event, uh, I've got. Del Santos, and you've got Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, Millinder, we agree on. Nico, uh, Tim Means, we agree on. Ben Rothwell, we agree on. Daryush, yeah. we agree on. I think we um, we agree on just about everything on the card except for the main event. Oh, you're right. Um, in that case, I will take Dan Murray, even though I have no idea who he is. Um, <laughs> and, and 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 then I'll and and then I'll see and then I'll see if uh, well, I'll see I don't if it know. Makes sense. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say don't don't do that. I. <laughs> Pick with pick with what you wanted to, and if it comes down to the main event, it comes down to the main event. But don't pick something different just for the sake of it, because if I keep winning, you're going to get angrier. You're right, Nick, and I have a goddamn temper. I don't know if you knew this about me. No, I actually no, no, don't no, have much of a temper. It, it, it takes a lot to get me angry, Nick. I, it is quite the opposite. I haven't gotten you too angry yet, but I I wouldn't want to see you angry because not only would you you know get angry, but you've got the tool you've got the tools to kill me. I, I do have uh, I do have eight or nine tools on me, and I appreciate you saying that. But I, I know you have a pretty good right hand yourself. Um, <laughs> Nick, that does it for this episode. This was fun. <laughs> this is actually our first remote uh, podcast. We're actually recording recording in two different locations. You are in Austin, uh, Texas. I am in. Yep. That's right. I, I am in Queens, New York, in my Forest Hills home. Um, this was fun, Nick. I We're leaving it basically up to Derek Lewis and Junior Dos Santos. I'm going to do some research and see if I can change some of my picks to make it more interesting, but also like if I believe in, in those guys based on the research. Um, but I, I'm a big believer in Dos Santos in this one. I think stylistically, uh, stylistically, he's got a pretty good edge over Lewis, despite Lewis's uh, potential just one-shot knockout power. And the last thing I'll say is everyone should watch the teaser for Cobra Kai Season 2 because it looks amazing. Uh, Nick, did you get paid to say that? And do no, I get a cut? I love I loved the first season of Cobra Kai so much. And the Fair teaser enough, you know for season two came out today, and it looks great. That is reason enough for me to check it out. I will give it. Uh, I will give it a serious shot, Nick. Even though it wasn't even close to uh, on my list. Oh, it's great, especially if you if you dug uh, the you know the first Karate Kid movie. Uh, I did. It was it was a damn good film. Yeah, I can. I think I know it by heart. Um, all right, everybody. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week when uh, Jorge Masvidal and Darren Till, a tough talker and a, a, a guy with a tough voice who talks tough against a guy with like the softest voice in the world who tries to talk tough. I'm a big fan of Jorge Masvidal. I kind of hope he takes it to, to Darren Till, but we'll see. I, I'm looking forward to that one. It actually looks like a decent overall card as well. Uh, thank you all for listening. Good night, motherfuckers. <laughs>